pay me now or pay me later. Now, I wonder how many here this morning can identify the commercial from which that phrase came back in the late 70s. Probably Ron Payne could, most likely. He's a car guy. <laughs> it was the Fram oil filter commercial. And many of you may remember that when the mechanic was working under the car or working with another fellow who was an engine rebuilder, and, and he says, you can either <clears throat> buy this oil filter for a few dollars and pay me now for that, or you can ignore that, not change your oil and filter, and you pay, pay me later. In other words, it's going to cost you a lot more unless you pay now. Have you ever thought about the fact that there is a biblical application to that statement? There is. And we're going to look at it this morning. And here it is from John 5, 24 through 29. And here it is, hear me now or hear me later. And the thrust is very much the same as in the pay me now, pay me later, only much more consequential, obviously, than having to have an engine rebuilt. But the point of what Jesus says here in this text at which we're about to look, the point is that you can hear me now when time and opportunity are yours to hear me, or you will certainly hear me later. And when you hear me later, it will be at a time when you can do nothing to change your eternal destiny. It's a very sobering passage indeed. Let's read it together. John 5, 24 through 29. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. It is in this text that Jesus makes it abundantly clear that we will either hear him now or we will hear him later. And as we go back and examine each of these verses, we look first at verse 24, which is a hear me now verse, a hear me now admonition. Most assuredly, verily, verily, you'll see in some translations, used about 25 times in the writings of John here as he writes about, about Jesus in his gospel account. Verily, verily, certainly, absolutely. In other words, most assuredly or verily, verily were words used only by the Christ He's the only one who used them, and he used them to point out the very seriousness, 
the soberness, the absolute cruciality of what was about to follow. The information is so crucial. And so he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's the hear me now passage, one of them. Hear my word. Who is it that will have everlasting life? Who is it that will not come into judgment in the sense that he will be condemned at the judgment? All of us will come into the judgment scene, but what Jesus obviously means here is that he will not come into condemnation at the judgment. Who is it that will not come into condemnation? It is he who hears Jesus now. And we can still hear Jesus now. No, he's not among us as he was when he spoke these words that are recorded by inspiration. But the passage is still pertinent. It is still relevant. It is still current, thankfully, for all of us here today. For all of us within the sound of my voice who are listening, you have the opportunity to hear him now. It's tragic that this is a verse that is sometimes pointed to by faith-only advocates. And they say, yes, what Jesus is saying here is that he who believes, period, will have everlasting life and will not come into condemnation. In other words, salvation is by faith alone, as tragically so many contend in the religious world. But think about that for just a moment. Yes, as some contend, there's nothing about baptism in this verse, is there? But neither is there anything specifically or explicitly mentioned about repentance, is there? Nothing here about confession either. And yet we read about those things elsewhere. So... What is Jesus saying? And incidentally, what about faith in Christ in this passage? Where do you find faith only in reference to Christ in this verse? You don't find it. Not explicitly. Listen to it again. He who hears my word and believes in me? No. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. He who believes in God who sent Christ. That's what this passage says. So if you want to try to get faith only for salvation out of this text, then you have to get salvation before you ever believe in Christ from this passage because it does not mention explicitly faith in Christ. Now what is obviously the case is that Jesus is saying, you must believe my Father in terms of everything my Father has revealed through me to you. That has to be understood, and one cannot simply ignore the obvious here and the fact that a synecdoche, a figure of speech where the part is put for the whole, is used in this passage as it is used in so many other passages, where one condition of salvation stands for the totality, all the conditions that are elsewhere enumerated in Scripture. And so belief is inclusive here. Belief, obviously, is not simply in God the Father, but it has to include God the Son. Who would deny that one can be saved without faith in Christ? And yet, faith in Christ, as we said, is not explicitly mentioned in this text. It's faith in God. 
But that obviously includes faith in Christ and everything that involves faith in Christ, which is what? Repentance from sin, confession of the sweet name of Christ, and yes, as Jesus himself taught, baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And one who hears the word and believes in that comprehensive sense, obviously, is one who what? Has everlasting life in his actual possession and that it can never be taken away from him as, again, many erroneously contend in the religious world today? No. Eternal life or everlasting life is ours in prospect. And it's as good as ours in reality as long as we what? Hear and believe. And that's the key. The word hears and the word believes, both of those words are in the linear action mode. Present active indicative, which means he who keeps on hearing and he who keeps on believing will what? Keep on having everlasting life. In other words, he will possess it not in reality, which cannot be forfeited, but in promise and in prospect, and as long as he keeps up that faith, as long as he continues to hear and believe, then he will have it, and ultimately, it will be his in the present possession, which cannot be taken away when this life is over. But it's obvious from the writings of the very same Apostle John that everlasting life is not to be construed here in this text as being ours in actual possession rather than in promise and that it cannot be forfeited. Otherwise, John meets himself coming back, as the expression goes, when he writes in his first epistle, 1 John 2, verse 25, this is the promise which he promised us, dash, eternal life. If John wrote that the promise that he promised us is eternal life, how could he be writing here that it is ours in actual possession rather than in promise. He would contradict himself. The Holy Spirit would be contradicting himself as he revealed these things to John. No, we have everlasting life in promise, in hope, Titus 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, has promised us. Yes, we have that eternal life as we keep on hearing, as we keep on believing. And the promise is, we'll not come into the condemnation at the judgment, but we'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because if we'll hear him now, if we hear him now, what happens? We pass from death into life. Before we're baptized into Christ, we're dead. We're dead. Spiritually dead. But through the blood of Christ which is contacted in that burial in baptism, we're made alive. And we rise from spiritual death into spiritual life. And the kind of transformation that occurs at that point should be the kind of transformation that produces within us a gratitude that motivates us to serve faithfully and lovingly and continually and to never look back, but to keep moving forward and growing in love for the one who first loved us and made possible that wonderful transformation from death and no hope to life and hope of eternal life with him. And then in verse 25, 
another most assuredly, another verily, verily, as some translations render it, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming. And listen to this important phrase, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is another hear me now passage. This is not hear me later. This is hear me now because Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of God, the Christian dispensation which was about to be launched at Pentecost following his resurrection and ascension to the Father. He was speaking of the time that was near at hand The hour is coming, it is upon us in effect, he says, when the dead, what dead? Physical dead? No. When the spiritual dead, those who spiritually are dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's talking about the gospel being preached for the first time beginning at Pentecost and being preached to this very moment in time, and being preached until time is no more. This passage refers to the Christian dispensation, the gospel age, when all of us have the opportunity to hear, when all of us have the opportunity to obey. Now an interesting point, relating to the point we made about the last verse and the fact that the figure of synecdoche or the part put for the whole is used, He who believes in him who sent me shall not come into judgment. And that belief obviously includes every other condition of salvation. If that's not the case, think about what Jesus says here. You have Jesus contradicting himself unless unless you look at that figure of speech where the part is put for the whole. Don't you? Look at it. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and listen to it and those who hear will live. Now, unless that is another synecdoche where the part is put for the whole, then you have Jesus in verse 24 recorded as saying, those who believe will be saved. And here you have him saying, only those who hear. All you have to do is hear, and you'll live. What does he obviously mean when he says, those who hear will live? He obviously means those who hear, hearken, and heed the gospel call and obey it. That is, they hear with understanding and they hear with obedience. They believe, they repent, they confess, and they are baptized. All of that is included in the word hear in the last part of this verse. It has to be. Otherwise, you have the very Son of God contradicting himself from one statement to the next. And yet that's how those who advocate salvation by faith alone and lift passages out of their context, that's exactly where they are. They are left leaving the Son of God. To be consistent, they're left leaving the Son of God contradicting himself from one statement to the next. We have to understand how to honestly interpret the Word of God, and it's not a difficult thing to do if the attitude is as it should be. And we're not prejudiced in that attitude. And so this is a hear me now passage that says we are now in that period of time about which Jesus spoke. The hour has come. We're in the Christian dispensation. Now we live in a time 
where we can hear with understanding and hear obediently and live spiritually. And then he continues, as the hear me now section continues, for as the Father has life in himself, he is life, inherent life. No one gave God the Father life. Well, no one gave the Son life either. He has granted the Son to have life in himself. That shows the the nature of God and Christ being the same divine nature. And yes, he gave up that equality with God and came to this earth and took upon himself the form of a servant, humanity, in order that he might be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And God has given him authority to execute judgment, he says. I have been given by God the Father the authority to execute judgment also. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. And what that phrase tells us is that Jesus has lived as a human being. And he also, from eternity, is God, deity. And so he is in the perfect position to judge mankind. And because he has become the Son of Man and lived as the Son of Man, has lived as a human being as well as God on earth, then he has that authority and that perfect ability to judge as no one else could possibly judge us as far as an earthly judge is concerned. And aren't you thankful that when this life is over, you will stand before a judge who will be absolutely perfect in his judgment of you. You will not leave that judgment scene thinking that you got a raw deal somehow from a prejudiced judge who could be bribed or bought or whose judgment could be impaired, affected by his own human experiences or family influences, etc., etc. No, it will be absolutely perfect. Because he is God and he is man and has lived as the son of man is his point. Should this surprise us? Jesus says no in the next statement. Do not marvel. The idea of marveling is being surprised. Jesus is saying here, don't be surprised at this. Don't be surprised because it is certain. It is coming. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Don't be surprised because it is certain. He has appointed a day, Paul, in his speech on Mars Hill said, he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. He has given assurance of this to all in that he has raised him from the dead. Jesus, as he spoke these words, had not been raised from the dead, but he knew that he would be. Don't be surprised, he said. Don't let this surprise you because there is a specific hour, a specific time that is coming in which all who are in the graves. He's not talking about a spiritual resurrection now as he did in the 
earlier verse at verse uh, 25. That's a spiritual resurrection through the gospel of Christ, that those who were dead spiritually could be raised spiritually, that is, become alive in Christ. But now, here at verse 28, he's talking about the general resurrection of the literal dead, all who were in the graves. And incidentally, it also completely denies the premillennial idea of a resurrection of the righteous and a thousand years later a resurrection of the wicked. There is no such thing in Scripture. There is but one general resurrection of the literal dead, and Jesus speaks of it here. And as he does, provides a death knell to that false concept of two resurrections, one of the righteous and one of the wicked. The hour is coming in which, what, the righteous, the wicked, only? No, all, both righteous and wicked, all who are in the graves will hear his voice. This is the hear me later passage. Hear me now. Or as this verse, these verses say, hear me later. All who are in the graves will hear his voice. But it will not be the voice that comes through his word now that says, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Live faithfully the Christian life until you draw your last breath. No, it will be the voice to come forth from the grave. But for those who have heard his voice now through his word, that will be a welcome voice you'll hear later. It won't be a voice that will, that will produce the worst kind of fear that you have ever experienced or could ever imagine. But it'll be the kind of voice that you've anticipated hearing that you lived a life of Christian faithfulness to one day hear and to anticipate because you'll be among those who've done good and therefore you'll rise to the resurrection of life, eternal life in heaven. But for those who will not hear him now, but who will certainly hear him later. The complete opposite will be the case. It'll be a rising to the resurrection of condemnation, a condemnation that the finite mind cannot fully comprehend, a condemnation for all eternity. That's why it is so vitally important that we hear him now, that we see the light now, and the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is no longer here. But the light of the world is here in the sense that the light of the world is the light of the Word. And thanks be to God, we can still hear Him now through that Word, and that's the way He designed it. And for all those who will hear Him now through that Word, believe it, Repent of sins, confess Christ and be baptized and then live faithfully even unto death, not turning back, not looking back. Then there will be indeed a wonderful welcome home. And so the Lord says, hear me now and life receive. Gift eternal if you believe and follow me till time is past. Then hear me later. 
home at last. What will you hear? If you haven't heard him now and you die in that condition, you will hear him later. But it will not be a voice of comfort. It will not be home at last. It will be depart forevermore. And if you have heard him now and received that life, spiritual life, but you have not continued to hold on to it, and you know that the life you are now living would not be a life that would enable you to hear him later, home at last, but depart. Come home. Come home to your first love in repentance of sin that needs to be repented of publicly with a fervent prayer that God will forgive, and he will. And we'll pray with you and for you with the full assurance that a loving God who wants to say to you, as it were, home at last, will welcome you home now so that he can, through his son, tell you later when you hear that voice, home at last. Well done, good and faithful servant. If you need to respond, will you do so now as we stand and sing to encourage you? Please come.